Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. In this episode, I'm going to talk about how to select a teacher. And this may seem a little self-serving because I am obviously a teacher. I don't teach that much anymore with personal one-on-one lessons since I moved away from Atlanta. I used to. I used to have quite a schedule of people. And for many years I taught. I started teaching in 1982. And I'm still doing it, but not not as much as I used to. Just because the population is a lot lower down here in America's Georgia where I currently reside. And I plan to reside for the... Uh, foreseeable future. I love it down here. Occasionally on on my car radio, I can tune in the Atlanta stations on AM early in the morning, and we're about two hours south of Atlanta. And I have spent many a miserable hour sitting on I-285 in traffic, commuting back and forth to work or trying to get to a gig or whatever. And I I sometimes hear those traffic reports, and I'm just tickled. I'm just amused by the suffering of others, I guess, because I can pull out of my driveway and turn right without even looking to the left. I probably should look to the left because occasionally a log truck comes by, but I'm pretty well down here in the sticks now, and I like it a lot, but that has meant I don't have that many personal one-on-one students anymore. I Most of my students I never meet. They go to my website, and they... Uh, you know, study uh, all of my free lessons for banjo or mandolin and other things. And I I don't very often see them. And then they might move into the category of purchasing some of my eBooks and downloadable video lessons. And that's all great, but I still don't ever see them. So, you know, I am a teacher. So when I when I'm talking about how you select a teacher, you might say, well, he's just trying to talk me into buying his videos. And yeah, maybe I am. But maybe I'm not, too. So listen to the whole thing and you make up your own mind. One of the concepts that, that I want to get across in this episode, and when I say how to select your teacher, you really don't have to select your teacher. You've already selected your teacher, whether you know it or not. Because I'm a firm believer that you are your own teacher. Nobody can, you know, open up the top of your head and pour knowledge into your head. You have to do that. So so you're always a filter of whatever teaching, quote-unquote teaching, is being directed towards you. You take it in and you decide what to keep and what to pay attention to and what not to. So... Really, at the most base level, everyone is their own teacher. Everything is self-taught. That doesn't mean people can't show you things. People can't try to explain things. People can't demonstrate things, illustrate things, encourage you, discourage you. All of those things are possible by a, quote, teacher. But, but I don't really like the word teacher so much as perhaps mentor or guide. 
so when when you're let's say you just bought a mandolin and you, you know obviously you want to learn to play the thing so you go on youtube and you start watching different videos you're going to like certain people and the way they you know the way they look the way they play the way they talk can you relate to them and there's other people that you're not going to have a connection with at all and you'll move on from them so youtube is one of these places where you can um you know test that relationship between you and the quote teacher unquote or your potential mentor or guide so my stuff's up there i i don't know the count anymore i i think somewhere on the order of two million youtube views for some of my free videos uh, well everything on youtube is free but so the reason i don't know the count is because they they live on three different accounts and i only have access to two of those anyway they're up there and it's roughly about two million views and I, i've often said i wish i had a nickel for every view um anyway Lots of people have watched my videos, and I'm sure some people go, man, I, I really like the way this guy thinks. Probably because they understood what it was I was trying to get across in that video. And if they understood it, they go, hey, I like that guy. But if, if you ever watch somebody explaining something and you get confused and you can't do what he's doing, you may move on and go, I, I don't like that guy or gal. Uh, you know, it's obviously both sexes. In this thing so how do you go about selecting someone that that for some period of time you intend to follow or you know let them be your guide or your mentor so I'm gonna toss out some suggestions and I don't know who you are so when I'm talking to you you know who you are and some of these bits of advice will be perfect for you and some of them will be perfect for someone else so if what i'm saying doesn't make sense for you it may for someone else i hope i make that more clear as we continue here because i'm not putting down other teachers if if we had let's just say use let's use the example of banjo teachers I'll take five banjo teachers, all with different personalities, all with different knowledge, all with different experience. And you get to take a lesson from each of them. There's going to be one that you just like more than the other. Maybe on a personal level. I've had students over the years who, after a few lessons, I it became very clear to me that they weren't there really to learn to play. I mean, that... And it would frustrate me because I was trying to get them to play. And I think maybe for whatever reason, they just liked coming over to the house and hanging out and shooting the breeze. And so some students, I realized that's really their motivation. And that's just what we did. I had a guy one time take mandolin lessons and he had played guitar for many years and had gotten the mandolin bug and started taking mandolin lessons. And we, you know, I was showing him you know how it is different than a guitar and we were working on a variety of things over the course of i think probably this this went on for a couple of years but after about oh i don't know maybe around the one year point i would find that our half hour lesson was 10 minutes of playing real lesson type stuff and 
20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, sometimes two hours of talking about completely other things. And we, uh, one time at, at the end of the lesson, I said, I can't charge you for this. Where This is ridiculous. We're not really doing lessons. You're just coming over and hanging out and we're talking about, we, I remember one night we were talking about old synthesizers. And in particular, we were talking about the Farfisa, if you've ever heard of that thing. Uh, had had The white keys were black and the black keys were white. I think that was the Farfisa. Anyway, we just talked about everything. We really became more friends than student-teacher or teacher-student. And I said, I can't charge. I'm not charging you anymore. This is ridiculous. This is not lessons. I, and I said, we should just start a mandolin club. I mean, we obviously have two members here already. Let's just start a mandolin club. And uh, during the week, he went home and worked on some ideas, and I worked on some ideas. And the following week, that was the first topic that came up, and we launched something called the Ancient Order of the Mandolin. And it became a mandolin club. It's actually Ancient Order of the Mandolin worldwide now. And if you go to my website, bradleylaird.com, and way down at the bottom of the page, you'll see a little thing about AOM. Go check that out. Anyway, what I'm saying with regard to teaching is some people, you know, take lessons because they just want to hang out. And so I think if that's you, you should choose somebody you really like to talk to and hang out with. And that guy was not the only person like that. I've had a lot of people like that. But I've had other people that came and they had one motive only. I, you know, I want to become the world's greatest mandolin player and you're going to help me get there. And most of those people didn't stick around too long because, uh, you know, that's not how it works. If you're going to become the world's greatest mandolin player, that is primarily your job. Your teacher, he can point you in the, he can guide you, he can whatever. He can't make it happen. You got to make it happen. I've talked about this in other episodes. I don't recall the which ones. So anyway, let's talk about different um, selecting a teacher. Let's call it a mentor. How do you pick that mentor? How do you pick the guy that's right? I'll say guy. I know there are females teaching. Old habits die hard. Anyway, how do you pick that guy? How do you pick the guy? who's going to help you accomplish what you want to do. And remember, there is self-interest in that. Everybody has self-interest going. You might view this podcast as Brad Laird is just trying to sell me something. Yeah, I suppose I am. And the teacher you go to, he's trying to sell you something. He's trying to sell you lessons because he would like to keep his lights on and pay his phone bill. But you're trying to get something too. Anything wrong with that? See, I'm a believer in, in trade. I never try to rip anybody off, and I never try to sell them something that I don't think they need or could benefit from. I try to believe, I do believe in fair trade. I give, you give. We swap. Everybody's happy. That's, well, I might do a, a thing called the economics of bluegrass one day and talk all about that, but I believe in free trade. So when you're looking for a mentor, don't expect them to give to you endlessly and just support your goals only. They've got goals too. And for them, it could be a car payment. It could be, um, you know, once in a while you'll, you'll find somebody that just seems to support you and they 
don't seem to want anything back. I think parents are a good example of that. Oftentimes parents do an awful lot for their children and they don't expect anything in return except for that warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing, you know, they're helping junior, <laughs> you know. So parents are often giving in that one way. And you'll have friends that are like that who don't seem to ever really want anything in return. But really, if you get down to the root of that, when someone is giving, they get something, whether it's a physical transfer of money or favors or, you know, goods and services, they still get something. And that is they get a feeling of self-worth. So I, I suppose I do that a little bit when I look at the, you know, the statistics for how many people visit my website. Let's say somebody goes to bradleylaird.com. And then they end up over at my free mandolin lessons. And I've got a whole bunch of free stuff. You could become a pretty competent mandolin player just learning how to do what's on those free pages. And I see the 10,000 people this month who have perused and you know spent 3.58 minutes per page. I see all those people. And while I'm not making any money off of that, not that, I, I, I do come away with that you know, feeling that good feeling, I suppose, of knowing that I helped somebody, you know, this guy wanted to play the mandolin and he went here and he went to the easy chords, easy mandolin chords page and he learned to play an easy mandolin chord. Well, I helped him. So I feel better. It doesn't, it doesn't help pay the bills, but it does, uh, it does give you that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. So partly I do it that way. And there are some people you'll find on the internet who, I'm, and I'm not speaking of anyone in particular, but you might have a teacher or somebody providing learning materials. Uh, I'm just going to invent this person. Let's say I, I have a PhD in philosophy and I teach at a local college and I also play the banjo and I am bored at night. And rather than talk to my wife, or, you know, go play tennis, I sit around and I create a website and I teach other people how to play the mandolin. I don't know if that person exists, but that person may not have any financial interest in it. This doesn't care about it. It may be more about, you know, the person's ego to put something up there and have be noticed and, you know, I, I will freely admit I'd, I've never done this with that motivation. Being a being a musician all these years and teaching lessons, playing gigs, and I I have worked, I've had careers and day jobs, but it's always been you know uh, during the interview I'd have to say well you know a lot of times on the weekends I have to take off and uh, you know I always had to get a day job that allowed me to have music as real really number one even though it often didn't bring in the majority of the money, but I've always had that at the forefront. So, but what I'm saying is there are people that are doing things, putting out a lot of free stuff on the internet who don't have financial needs. Maybe they're, you know, <laughs> the old joke of living in their mother's basement, or maybe they've got, you know, four retirement checks all coming in from different things. And, you know, who knows? Not everybody's in it to make a buck. And I get that. You, you see that in performers too. You've got a lot of people that they don't care if they get paid. They just want to play. And then you've got the people that are trying to, you know, put their kids through school and buy shoes and, you know, 
And uh, they, they get kind of a sour attitude with those people who are just giving it all away for free because they're able to. Anyway, I'm getting way off topic here. So let me go back to selecting. How do you select that mentor slash teacher slash guide? How do you pick somebody who suits you? And I may not be that guy. In fact, if I've had students that came to me and after a very short time, I realized really I'm not the guy. And this has particularly happened primarily with guitar students. I've had people, you know, somebody throws my name out. Yeah. Do you play guitar? Do you give guitar lessons? Yes. And they show up, but it doesn't take long for somebody to, to re for me to realize that that guy, kid, woman, whatever, is not interested in playing bluegrass. And as a guitar player, frankly, that's really all I know with, you know, talking about the guitar. I picked up guitar playing, you know, just to, you know, on the side, playing all this other bluegrass stuff. And I don't know much about electric guitar and blues guitar and you know, it's just not my bag. So, if, you know, if a kid shows up and you're you're trying to teach him, you know, worried man or will the circle be unbroken, he'd rather be playing ZZ Top. You know, I would just tell him, look, I got a buddy of mine, this guy named Jody. Go see Jody. Yeah, you know, so what I'm saying here is when selecting your mentor, obviously the first priority is pick somebody who has experience and is teaching the thing that you want to do. Don't go to a classical violin teacher if you want to play Kenny Baker. You know? I'm not saying that, you know, a year or two of lessons in classical violin might not help you. It probably would help you. I know a lot of good fiddle players that started out as violin players. Um, so... I'm not saying there's no value in that, but when you go in there and in the back of your mind thinking, man, I want to play that bluegrass in the backwoods and they don't know what you're talking about. And you, you know, you bring a recording of it and play it for them and they just kind of curl their nose up and look at you like you're insane. So to make the most progress towards your goal, whatever your goal is, and I don't care what your goal is. If your goal aligns with my experience we'd probably be a good fit. If your goal goes somewhere else, somebody else might be a better fit. So when you look at all the potential mentors out there, take a good look at them and ask yourself, what would I like to be doing five years from now? What do I want to do with this instrument? I've got my banjo. I've got my guitar, my mandolin, my bass. And just picture yourself and say, what do, what do I want to accomplish with this thing? If that sounds like what I'm about to describe, then I might be a good choice. Let's say you want to become a competent bluegrass musician. You want to be able to go to jam sessions and hang in there and play all the stuff. You want to be able to make it breaks to songs that maybe you've never even rehearsed, never even heard. So you want to learn to improvise in bluegrass. And let's say you'd like to start a little band and you'd like to learn to sing harmony or you'd like to learn, you know, the best ways to 
to arrange songs or, you know, how to tell a good joke on stage or whatever. Maybe you want to have a band and you want to play at bluegrass festivals or you want to play at, you know, the local barbecue joint or whatever. To whatever level you might want to take that, I might be your guy because I've done a lot of that kind of thing. That's what I've done. I can't tell you how many jam sessions I've been to. I've organized jam sessions, quite a few of them in different places. I've tried to always keep that going. I've been a bluegrass participant as a performer and as a teacher and as a just jammer. And I've been doing this for a very long time. You kind of have tunnel vision. It's bluegrass, bluegrass, bluegrass with me. Although you might be surprised I like a lot of other kinds of music too. But I don't play them because I never felt like I knew enough about them to really play them. So I'm a bluegrass guy. You like bluegrass? If you want to play bluegrass mandolin, I'm a good choice, a good option. There are others. If you want to play Celtic, I'm a, I'm the wrong guy. I can get you started. I mean, a lot of the things that bluegrass players do is exactly the techniques and things that, you know, your Celtic type player plays. Frankly, I don't know much about that. I've been to one or two jams like that, and I most, mostly just sat there with my mouth open going, man, these people are good, and I don't know any of those tunes. Find yourself somebody who's into that. If, if that is your bag, go do that. I, my feelings won't be hurt. Now, I'm not saying you can't learn the basics from me and then go become you know, the world's greatest Celtic player, but at some point you're going to have to find a teacher who has done the things that you envision doing. Now, here's another little thing, and this may seem like I'm thumping on, you know, some of the competition. I am not. I don't mean this in any way to sound like, hey, you should, you know, my stuff's better than so-and-so. I don't mean that at all. But let's say you are an up-and-coming mandolin player. Keep using mandolin. It could be any instrument. Let's say you're an up-and-coming mandolin player, and you are get getting the feeling that, by God, you could do something with this professionally. You could perhaps be in that upper echelon of that top 100 mandolin players in the world. You're beginning to get that feeling that maybe that's you. Well, my advice to you would be go find somebody in that top 10, top 5, take lessons from them. Because if, if I'm going to use David Grisman as an example. And this is not in any way a put down of David Grisman. I'm actually building him up here. If you're one of those people who have that potentiality of being in that league, you know, can you see yourself on the tonight show? I I don't even know if the tonight show is still on. Uh, Can you see yourself being booked at, um, Let's think of a really big festival. So let's say Merle Fest. Uh, let's say Telluride. Can you see yourself, maybe not today, but one of these days, a couple of years, three, four, five years, you know, can you see yourself in a band up there? If you, if that's where you think you may go or, or just want to try, people like David Grisman would be the, I mean, this guy, he's done that. I mean, you know, I haven't made a duet album with uh, Stefan Grappelli, but he has. I've never been on The Tonight Show, but he has. I've never scored a Hollywood movie, but he has. 
and so on. I mean, he's the guy for certain people. But let's say this is you. You're a mechanic. <laughs> and I, this is going to be one stereotypical possible person. Let's say you're a mechanic. You're 45 years old. Got a lot of grease under your fingernails. You like the mandolin. And you've gone to a couple of bluegrass festivals. You think maybe you'd like to learn to play. You know, a person like that is not going to be sitting at home thinking, how in the world am I going to get booked on David Letterman? <laughs> and again, I don't have a TV, so David Letterman may be long gone, but, you know, just put in whatever's current. And, and a lot of times, you know, a person like that will be attracted to those upper-tier players. <laughs> I was when I started. But, you know, it... You might be better suited to choose somebody who can help you do the things that you're actually possibly going to really do. So now I'm going to describe myself a little bit. And if you consider this entire episode just a commercial for me and my products and lessons, that's fine. You can always hit stop. Uh, nobody's ever forcing you to you know, continue to listen, although you might want to come back to the next episode. But let me describe myself. And I've done, you know, I've described the early days. I obviously, when I started, I wanted to be in a bluegrass band and I wanted to be performing. And I did that. I was, you know, the first band was the Bluegrass Barnstormers, then came Pony Express during college. And then I got in the Atlanta band called Cedar Hill. And that was in 1984. And as far as a local group, and by that I mean Atlanta area, North Georgia, and then you know, 10 times a year, we'd say the Southeast. I don't think we ever traveled any farther than maybe Ohio one time. We typically played mostly around Atlanta, but some in Florida, some in Alabama, some in uh, South Carolina, occasionally in Tennessee, and I think North Carolina a few times. Those were festival gigs because you would travel farther to those. Well, I was in that band for 27 years, and anybody around Atlanta during that time period would tell you that, you know, the band to beat was Cedar Hill in terms of getting the gigs. And we, we, we did everything. We, you know, backyard parties, retirement parties, bar mitzvahs, wedding rehearsal dinners. I've been inside the back entrance to every major hotel in Atlanta. We did a lot of convention work. We were working, working, working. Still part-timers, you know, most of us maintained day jobs and so forth but we were the workingest band in the atlanta area and at times you know stretching out into the bluegrass festival scene that's just the facts and i i can't tell you i i've lost count i, d I don't know how many thousand gigs we've played so what i'm saying is if that's the kind of thing you'd like to do and on top of that, let me add that we went to a lot of bluegrass festivals. When you'd get booked at a bluegrass festival and you had to play two sets on Saturday, well, what did you do the rest of the time? Well, you might hang around the record table, try to sell some records, CDs, or you'd hang around the campsite and jam. And if it was a you know two-day festival or longer, you'd be there overnight and picking and jamming. I've, I mean, I don't, I don't even know the countless hours I've spent hanging around at bluegrass festivals doing this sort of thing. So if that's the sort of thing you're interested in doing, 
you know, I'm the kind of guy that has done that and it's within, it could possibly be within your reach. So my stuff is designed to teach you basically how to do what I've done. Other people will teach you how to do what they've done. And that's cool. You know, you got some super talented musicians out there with instructional material. And, you know, I, I own a lot of this stuff. I've, I've watched these people and I've, I've studied it myself, uh, particularly before I got into doing this. You know, I've got, I don't know how many books and videos and this kind of stuff I have. So a lot of what I teach, you know, I learned from someone else. Probably most everything I teach, I learned from someone else. But what I'm saying is if you pick somebody that they could be the hottest mandolin player in the world and maybe they've only played, you know, a hundred gigs in their life. You know, I'm just saying you pick up a lot of information, um, by being around for a very long time. So, you know, my advice would be don't select the teacher based upon their age. Um, and, and remember that many of the greats, they're pretty old too. They're, they're getting pretty gray and fat, you know, and me, me included. I'm actually on a diet right now. So, uh, trying to counter the getting fat part, the uh, gray hair and the no hair part. I can't do much about, but the weight I, I can do anyway. So I, I would just suggest that as you, you know, as you compare various teachers and what they have to offer, think about, you know, can I relate to this person? And, you know, what, what at the end of this, what am I going to learn? And have they done the types of things that I want to do? And a lot of them have. I'm not the only guy that's done this kind of thing. And then another way to go about selecting your mentor, and this is so obvious I really don't need to say it, but you need to pick somebody you sort of get along with and you kind of think alike. You know, if let's just say you're one of those people you are really into the whole dead scene, you know. Maybe you used to follow the dead, whatever, and you got a you know, dresser drawer full of... Uh, t-shirts and tie-dye and all this kind of junk and you're pretty much always seen wearing flip-flops you know you might want to pick a teacher who kind of you know looks like he's into that same sort of thing you know got the long hair and wearing tie-dye you know if because you too can probably relate on the other hand you might be one of those types that you know you press your jeans and you like to wear the cowboy boots and, you know, you, you like bands that wear a tie and, uh, you know, you might select a teacher who you feel like you can relate to on that level. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, there was, a uh, and somebody did an interview with Earl Scruggs and I think it was on WRFG. One of the hosts on there had an interview with him and called me and said, Hey, have you got any questions? You know, can you suggest any questions? Asked Earl. And, you know, kind of halfway joking, I said, yeah, ask him if he's ever worn short pants on stage. You know, I was really just making a joke. Well, the interviewer actually asked him. So, Earl, have you ever, one of our, one of our listeners <laughs> suggested a question, have you ever worn short pants on stage? And he said, well, no, I, I never really did care for short pants. Oh, it's funny, but just picture that. Can you imagine Earl Scruggs standing on stage in short pants? No, 
You cannot imagine that. So if, if you're one of those people that, you know, doesn't wear short pants and you don't want to perform wearing short pants, pick yourself a teacher who, who is of a similar mindset and you'll probably get along better and you'll probably learn more. So let me just get this over with and recap what I have said. If I can remember what I've said. Number one, you are your own teacher. Don't expect anybody else to pour it into your head. That is not going to happen. Number two, think about what your goals are and ask yourself, at least try to investigate and say, this person who I intend to perhaps drop a little money with and, you know, has this person done the type of things that I can see myself doing? I, I would like to be able to do that. Has that person done that? And and I'll give you an example. Sometimes, sometimes you know, those real mega stars, they really haven't hung around, you know. They don't go to the local Bluegrass Association jams and hang around and slow jam with people. They just, you know, they're busy. They, got, they have concert tours to do and recording dates. And, and, you know, they're busy hanging out with other magnificent players. And so some of them may actually not have that much experience like, let's say, leading a slow jam. So just bear that in mind. Some of them do. Some of them really, I think Peter Wernick is a great example of that. Wonderful player, definitely at the top of his, you know, the top of the ladder. Uh, but he also is extremely knowledgeable and, um, you know, he runs these banjo camps and, you know, the, the Wernick method and all that stuff. I, I, I like what he's doing a lot. So um, some people you know, are qualified, you might say, in both camps. But some people just, you know, like I'll use Chris Thiele as an example. And this is not to bash Chris Thiele because he is not from this planet. The, there's, you know, there's nobody that could play a mandolin like Chris Thiele. But, you know, I don't know that a lot of my students would get much from that beyond how to hold the pick and so forth because he just thinks on a completely different level than, you know, I guess what I would say is someone like me, and there are a lot of people like me that, you know, they've been there, they have struggled, they have, you know, learned things the hard way. And so in some cases, those people might be a better match for you. That's all I'm saying. So select you're your, you're your own teacher. You are your own teacher. And then when you're looking for a mentor or guide, select somebody who at least is doing the thing that, you know, you hope to do. And then I guess the final thing I would say about um, teaching is, you know, don't don't use one lesson to decide. If you choose something, you know, whether you're paddling a boat or anything you choose you set out to do, do it for a while at least to see how it goes because things will develop and things will change, and you know you need to give things a fair opportunity, and then. Like, for example, if somebody started taking lessons from teacher A, you know, at a music store or something, give it a month, give it two, give it three months, see how it's really going. Because it could be you might don't, you might not like them. Maybe you don't really like that person. They're kind of nasty and they, they don't, they never tell a joke or anything. But after three months, you're really making progress. So, you know, I'm saying don't make snap decisions. Give whoever you go with give a fair try and then choose again and give someone else a fair try and so on now back to the star power um, type teachers 
I would say there's one good thing you can really get from them, and that is kind of this master class type of lesson, workshop, and so on. You know, if you have a chance to rub shoulders with those people, uh, go to a camp where they're leading a session on whatever, you know, I encourage you to do those things too because they can pack a lot of information. They've, they've got, they know things that, um, you know, some of us down here don't know flat out. That's just the truth. So, you know, I'm not saying don't, um, don't make use of their knowledge. Um, you should. And a lot of times you can get that simply by buying their records, you know, buy their records and listen to them endlessly. That is certainly a great way to learn and you're helping them, you know, pay their bills too. So anyway, that's a little bit about selecting a teacher, a mentor, a guide. And if, if the way I think and the way I operate, you know, resonates with you, I have all of my stuff, both free and, um, you know, things you pay for available at my site, bradleylaird.com. Go over there and it doesn't hurt my feelings if you study the free stuff. <laughs> you know, that's, I like seeing website hits. I like that because I know that eventually some of those hits, you know, turn into a person who might buy six Clawhammer banjo videos or something like that. So that helps pay the bills for, you know, website hosting and domain name, name registration and little uh, things that you might not think about, like keeping food in the refrigerator and gas in the car. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll talk to you. Well, I'll talk to you in the next episode. <laughs>